0: Heavenly Father, we um, we want to thank you so much. You've blessed us so abundantly with so many material blessings. Lord, we look around a world that is so destitute and so poor and it's only because of where we were born, really, that we have what we have and Lord, we never want to take it for granted. Please really help us always to remember that it's yours, it's not ours. It's what you've given to us um, for the furtherance of your kingdom and We pray that you would take what we've given today. um, We pray that you take the the gifts that have been given by standing order. We pray that you would take our whole lives and use it for your glory. And we pray now that you would help us to understand spiritual truths. And we ask these things in and through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, if you like sermon titles, I'm not a massive fan to be honest, but I, I feel obliged to come up with them. Um, my sermon title this evening is Perfect Vision. Perfect Vision, which by the way I don't have because I'm short-sighted. So, and I don't wear my glasses because I feel like I'm in a fishbowl when I do that. So uh, half, most of you I can't see, you're a bit of a blur. I keep staring trying to figure out who p- some people are sometimes. And I'm always surprised at the door because um, people are here that I didn't realise <coughs> through my laziness to wear glasses. But um, one of the problems I have, one of the new problems I have, I've only noticed it actually in the last few years, is that um, I have this this inability sometimes to see something that's right in front of me. I don't know whether this is something that happens to you when you get older, um, but whenever, whenever I ask Naomi for something and she tells me it's in her brown handbag, I can never find it. I mean, and that thing is the size of a small house anyway. But um, I'm rooting around and I'm looking and I'm looking and I don't find it and I get frustrated to the point now where if she tells me it's in her brown handbag, I don't even bother going to look because I know I'm never going to find it. Um, happened yesterday. It was a t-shirt. You'd think it would be easy to find a t-shirt, Oscar's t-shirt, and uh, I looked, I couldn't see it. I got frustrated. I muttered something like I knew it wouldn't be in there and 30 seconds later she came with it in her hands. And this is my problem, vision. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Um, He's talking about vision. You see in the beginning, in the beginning we all had perfect vision. Humanity walked and talked with God in the Garden of Eden, in in complete freedom and in complete clarity. We could see God as He really is. We could walk alongside Him. We could enjoy His company. We could see Him in all of His glory face to face and we saw the world as it really was. Our eyes were wide open, but then sin entered into the world. And with it, death. Every person in history inherited sin through what Adam and Eve did. And as such, we're all born spiritually completely blind. That's what the focus of what Jesus says here. That's what the problem is. That's what we need to be able to discern, to understand and to see is that the world as it really is, isn't what we think it is. And we need to understand Where we stand before a holy God. And we need to understand that the time that we have to get ourselves right with that holy God is limited, and one day that opportunity will expire. And Jesus' point is we don't see, we can't see because we're blind spiritually. Our lives, our lives, your life, my life, they're like an hourglass and the sands of time are constantly running and you can't do anything to slow it down you can't do anything to pause it or stop it, it's happening every minute, every hour, every day, relentlessly time is falling away and one day those sands will cease and our time on this earth will come to an end and what Jesus is saying here to these people is you can't even see that You're so blind, we're so blind, and what's worse, what's unbelievable, is what he says to these people, and I think it's true for for the world, is that while all that's going on, while the sands of time are falling, while life is is slowly disappearing, we're just talking about the weather. We're going about our business as if life is going to last forever in this world. And we think we're so clever because we think we've figured out if it's going to rain or not. We think we're so clever because we've figured out if it's going to be warm. But we can't see the most important thing right in front of our eyes. And how true this is in our age of technology, where technology and science has come along to say, you don't need God, science and technology will solve all your problems. Jesus here is speaking to the multitudes, as I said, opposed to his disciples, as we thought about last week. So presumably this is a different time and situation to then. We're not told, but I think we can conclude that from the text we have in front of us. And what Jesus has to say to us here is another warning. It's another warning. Last week, the words of Jesus reminded us that we need to understand... That if we're going to live for Christ in this world, if we're going to say, I'm going to stand for you, Jesus, I'm going to live for you, Jesus, my whole life is going to be lived out to serve you, to make your name known in my workplace, in my family, in my friendship groups, wherever I go, with the postman, with the milkman, on a bus, on a train, on a plane, wherever, then we need to understand that 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 has a great cost and may even cost us the love of our loved ones. But we also thought that there is there's something in the world more important than peace with those that we love, and namely what that is is truth for those that we love. Because the Bible tells us it's the truth of God that will set men free. Peace can't set men free, but the truth of the gospel will. And today we're going to think about our sight problem that Jesus describes here and the points we're going to bring out of the text following. I don't normally give you three points. I'm trying something new and hopefully it will be helpful. The first thing is we're going to think about how we don't see what's important. The second thing we're going to look at is why. Why don't we see what's important? And the third thing we're going to think about is what can we do about it? So first of all, we don't see what's important. If you've got your Bibles, look at verses 54 and 55 because there are a couple of words that are repeated by Jesus as he speaks here to the multitudes. I wonder if you, if you picked them up as we read them. The words Jesus repeats are the words see and the words say. Verse 54, Then he also said to the, the multitudes, When you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming. And so it is. Verse 55, and when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather. And Jesus says, and there is. When you see a cloud, you say a shower's coming. When you see the south wind, uh, you say there's going to be hot weather. Seeing and saying, seeing and saying. What's, what's going on here? Well, Jesus is highlighting their conclusions. They see something, they observe something in the world and from what they see they draw a conclusion from it. In fact they're drawing the right conclusion from it, aren't they? Both times what they see they understand correctly and from that understanding they come to right conclusions and presumably, you would think, unless they are completely deranged, based on that right conclusion they take appropriate action. They either shelter from the storm to come. Or they break open the factor 50 sun cream and get ready for a heat wave. So when it comes to the weather, Jesus says, you understand, you can see that clearly. But when it comes to understanding who Jesus is, when it comes to understanding the danger of their sin in eternity, when it, when it comes to understanding the temporary nature of life they're in the dark they've listened to Jesus talk, but they're still blind to who he is, they're still blind to who they are, and they're still blind to the judgment that they are on course to face. And you know, we do this all the time. We perceive, and then we understand based on what we see, and just like them, there are also times, sometimes we we do that correctly, but there are also times when we perceive something and we totally get it wrong, and we misunderstand and we come to wrong conclusions. If you, um, if you look outside on a winter's day and you look out and the snow's falling from a, from a grey sky above, even though you're warm inside your centrally heated home, even though you're behind double glazed glass, your conclusion is going to be it's cold outside. You don't need to open your front door and receive the cold blast your nice warm body to know that, you come to a conclusion based on what you observe, and it's the correct conclusion that you come to. If you um, if you cook something in an oven, you look in, you think, I wonder how it's doing, you see it bubbling away, you perceive that it's hot. You're not going to go and open the oven and pull out whatever you're cooking with your bare hands without using oven gloves, because the perception leads to a right conclusion. The conclusion is, if I don't use oven gloves, I'm going to get burned. That's the right conclusion. So sometimes we get it right, but there are other times when we don't perceive what's right in front of us correctly. And as Christian believers, we instead, we see things with physical eyes rather than spiritual eyes often. And it leads us, when we do that, away from God and away from his blessings. We spend our lives living and thinking for the here and now. We pour great energies and, and time and resources into this life as if this is all that's going to last forever and we get stressed out and we get anxious about things. But this life isn't going to last forever and these things should be obvious to us, as obvious as snow falling from a, a grey cloud or, or a hot oven and yet we get fooled by what we see. Our sinful hearts lead us to wrong conclusions about what really matters. So when it comes to God, we're not so different at times to Jesus' listeners here. We don't always see what's important. Our lives are lived in a, in a kind of constant state of battle, of priorities. And there are so many things in modern life that cause this kind of friction to living for self and living for God. It might be that you spend a lot of time looking after your children or your, or your grandkids. Or keeping track of your career or keeping up with the the growing demands of life, paying the bills, remembering the 500 online passwords and usernames that you now have to try and remember, trying to make your marriage work, Netflix, movies, books, music, culture, football, holidays, the list is endless and we get to the point where we feel like we're we're fighting between living for God and living for ourselves and we, we get to the point where we start valuing things in the wrong way. And actually, when it comes to seeing the things of God and seeing the things of the world, very often our hearts say, well, the things of the world, they're more real. The things of God, they're not so real, and so we we gravitate toward living for the things that we can see here, on this soil, in this world. We need to listen to Paul, don't we? Remember his advice in 2 Corinthians 4.16? He says this, "So, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, that's Paul saying, though the things that I can see are not going to plan, wasting away, they're the things I can see, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal." That should be our prayer, shouldn't it? Lord, I, I want to see it. I, I, I don't want to be captivated by this world anymore. I want to see you in all your glory. Not the bills, not the health problems, not the, not the job. I don't want to be constantly fixated on my earthly relationships, or money, or anything else. I want to see you. Because if my sight is fixed on you, I'll have a right view of everything else. If I'm living for heaven, earth won't seem like such a big deal anymore. And that's where we need God's Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to understand, to perceive, and to truly see the truth. And the truth is... As real, as, and as important, and as nice (laughs) as all those other things in your life and mine might be, the most vitally important thing that we're able to discern and understand and see and focus on is not the things of this world. The most important thing is that we understand this life, the, the temporary nature of it, the seriousness of our sin in the light of eternity. So we don't see, Jesus saying, you don't see it. Why don't we see what's important? Verses 56 and 57, let's do what Jesus says. He says, hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Yes, and why, even of yourselves, do you not judge what is Right. The answer is they're spiritually blind. They're spiritually blind. Blind people can't see. That's obvious. And yet they claim to be able to see. That's why Jesus calls them hypocrites. It's that word again that describes uh, the the modern stage actors of the day going around wearing masks. So Jesus is saying, presumably to to those who have that kind of outward air of religion, he's saying, "You, you know what? You claim to know about God, you, you have the you look the part. You, you claim to have all this wisdom. You claim to have all this insight. You're able to look at the clouds, and it's amazing. You know, you, you nail that. But you you have no more ability to see than anybody else than the people you're trying to lead. You are literally the blind leading the blind. You're hypocrites. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, Paul says something similar in verse 18. He says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And every single time I read that passage of scripture, I think of evolution. I think of evolution claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, when, when you look at the world, when you look at the sky, when you gaze up at the stars and the universe, you come to what you think are grand conclusions. You think you have the answers to life, Jesus is saying, but the truth is, all your conclusions are wrong, because your hearts are wrong, because you know in your heart God exists. But you don't want to face up to that. You won't look at it. So we don't see what's important. We don't see eternal things, because we're blind to eternal things from the moment we're born. Spiritually, it's an impossibility for us to see who Jesus is, and so of course we don't. In fact, Jesus says not only can you not see the reality of this world being played out as you talk about the weather, not only can you not see who I really am, you don't even see the difference between what's right and wrong. You can judge the weather okay, but when it comes to living in a way that's right, you're unable to do it. So you're not just seeing wrong things, you're not just understanding wrong things, you're not just coming to wrong conclusions, you're doing wrong things and then saying, that was right. Your lives are upside-down. You are completely blind. And that's the default position of every person born on planet Earth. Not only are we spiritually blind, we don't realize we're blind, and we're desperately trying to lead people to truth in this world, but we can't find truth ourselves because we don't have sight ourselves. We can't see our needs. We can't see our sins as they are. We certainly don't have a solution to the coming judgment of God upon our lives outside of faith in Jesus. And that's why this sight problem that Jesus highlights to his listeners here and to us is huge. So what can we do about it? Verses 58 and 59, what can we do about it? Well, the answer is You can do nothing about it yourself. You can't do anything about your spiritual blindness. That's the bad news. But there's good news because Jesus can. Jesus can give us the sight we need in order for us to see our sin as it is, in order for us to be forgiven, in order for us to to really see the world as it is. He can open our eyes and every single Christian believer in this room has had that happen to them. One of my favorite accounts in the New Testament is the account of uh, Bartimaeus. You read about him in Luke 19, verses 41 to 44. There's poor Bartimaeus sitting by the side of the road near Jericho. He's begging for money. And suddenly, all of a sudden, he hears these crowds kind of passing by. And he wants to know what on earth is going on. Why all the commotion? What's the noise? And he's told it's Jesus of Nazareth. And in verse 38, the Bible says this tells us, and he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him to keep quiet. But he kept on crying out to Jesus, louder and louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. And eventually Jesus hears him and he calls him over and he asks Bartimaeus a question in verse 41. And this is a question. He says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And the answer that Bartimaeus gives him is staggering because this is what Bartimaeus says, Lord, that I may receive my sight. You know, I read that this week and it floored me because I suddenly realised that something takes place in Bartimaeus' life between him calling Jesus son of David and him calling Jesus Lord and what happens in between that Period is faith. He's al- he already has sight by the time he's standing in front of Jesus. Not physical sight. No, he has the sight that really, really counts. He he had called Jesus Son of David, son of David. Twice you read that, but not now, now it's Lord. And Jesus says to him, Receive your sight, your faith has saved you. His physical eyes are opened in that moment. This this physical miracle must have been amazing, but his spiritual eyes are already open at this point. It wasn't his physical sight that saved him. It was his spiritual sight that saved him. It was his faith in Jesus that saved him. It was seeing Jesus for who he really is and trusting in him that saved him. And the same thing will save you. He couldn't see anything, but he could see who Jesus was his eyes had been opened, his physical sight was a bonus and he went from begging on street corners to glorifying God, following Jesus down the same road that he would just been begging on, now he can see physically and spiritually who Jesus was, he sees God in the flesh and all he wants to do is worship him because neither of those things would have happened without Jesus. We can't do anything about our spiritual blindness but we have a wonderful saviour Jesus Christ, who gave us sight, who gives us sight, who gives us eternal life, but it starts with faith, it starts with faith. Let me ask you a question, we've been thinking about seeing Jesus and seeing the time as it really is, let's put ourselves in in his position. What do you think Jesus sees when he looks into your heart and mine? What does he see? I wonder if he sees the same things he saw in the lives of the people he was speaking to here. Or if instead he sees what in our hearts what he saw in the heart of Bartimaeus' life that day. I wonder if he sees faith. Here when he speaks to these people, what he sees are people busying up their lives with lots of trivial things what he saw were people looking to avoid looking at reality and avoid looking into their hearts they didn't want to change a heart they didn't want their lives challenged and so instead they decide you know what i can see creation (laughs) i'm going to suppress that i don't want to hear about god i'm going to live my own life thank you very much and so they looked the other way their eyes are closed to spiritual realities and that suited them just fine they didn't want to seek jesus out in their lives in fact, it's probably the last thing they wanted to do. The Bible says in Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen, and Steve mentioned it this morning, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. We're never going to find God. You're never going to find God. You're never going to have your eyes opened unless you go looking for Jesus. But you know, in order to see him, we need him to open our eyes. Salvation is found in no one else other than Jesus. You know, that's a limited offer. That's a limited offer to you. And as Jesus reminded us a few weeks ago, there's something else we need to keep our eyes open for, and that's his return. You know, I don't know if you're a believer or not, but I know one thing. When I look at the world that we're in, when I watch the news, when I listen to everything that's happening, and then I look into the Bible what God's Word says about the end times, to me, seems to be happening. I'm not going to read them all, but if you're taking notes, if you look at um, verses like 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, Matthew 24, 6 to 7, Luke 21, verse 11, Revelation 13, 16 to 17, Daniel 12, 4, you read verses like that, you hold them up, you think about them, you look at the world, and it makes me think, we are getting closer to the Lord's return. It makes me think about my priorities. It makes me question, what am I really living for? It makes me look at my life and, and wants, makes me want to recommit to God and recommit my time and energies to serving the Lord while there's still time to do it. It makes me more bold to share my faith with a world that, that desperately needs to hear about Jesus and see Jesus and, and experience his love poured out through my life. The last thing that Jesus has to say here is a warning. You see, in the closing two verses, 58 and 59, there's kind of this small parable that Jesus says. That, that seems, at first, when you read it, you kind of think, well, this seems a bit out of place. Is, is this meant to be here? But it isn't out of place at all. You see, the point that Jesus is trying to make here is the certainty of God's judgment one day in your life and mine. The certainty of his judgment. And like a boulder crashing through a cobweb, the point he makes is nothing can stop it. Jesus encourages his listeners to make their peace with God. And he draws upon this picture of a courtroom and a guilty person being led to that courtroom for judgment. Look at verses 58 and 59. As you go with your accuser, sorry, start at 57. Why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way lest he drag you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. You know, the best settlement we can ever get with a hopeless case is outside a court and every single human being, when it comes to standing before a holy and a righteous judge, we are all hopeless cases. notice the bias that jesus presents in this parable leaves us the guilty party in prison jesus says make every effort along the way to settle with him you can't see it jesus is saying you're blind you can understand the weather you get when it's going to rain when it's going to be hot you have a certain level of understanding but you know those things they do not matter in the light of eternity. You can't even judge what's right and wrong. You need sight. You need to see that God is a righteous judge. You need to see that unless you get right with him before that judgment day, you'll lose everything on that day. That's what that means. Where he says the very last penny, you might have in your New King James, the very last mite. The mite was the smallest denomination of currency in existence. You need to see on that day, Jesus says, of judgment. If you haven't made your peace with God, if you don't have faith in me, it all goes. You lose everything. Can you see clearly? Jesus could. He came to open the eyes of the blind, to open your blind eyes and mine. He could discern the time. And when he went to the cross, he paid every last might. He gave everything so that you and I would not have to. If he never came, we would all be blindly heading for a lost eternity. But he did come to give us hope and eternal life. Don't live your life focusing on what's unimportant. Gazing pointlessly at the sandcastles of this life. That's what Jesus is saying. Cry out to him. Son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe that's how you'll start. Lord, that I may receive my sight. And he will, and you will. And he'll open your eyes spiritually and save your soul now and for all eternity. You know, one of the most amazing verses, I think, in the Bible that often makes me wonder with, in this kind of awe of who God is and what heaven will be like, the Bible tells us one day we'll see as we are seen. And you know, on that day, Won't the things that we hold so much value to, won't they seem like buckets full of ash? May God open our eyes and our hearts to live our lives for Him in these days that we're living. Who knows? Who knows how long we have? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. We thank you for your word. If we're honest, we will struggle to keep heaven in view and eternity in view. Lord, please really help us with that. Help us to redeem the time. Help us to understand our lives are so temporary. We're like a flower of a field, here one day and gone the next. Help us to love you and live for you with everything that we have, holding nothing back. And if we're not Christians here tonight, Lord, I pray for anyone here who isn't a Christian. Lord, I pray you'd help them to see the danger that they're in, the judgment that is coming for them. Lord, I thank you that you sent Jesus so we wouldn't have to face that judgment. I thank you, Lord, for those who cry out to you. You never never refuse a repentant sinner. A lot of salvation might come. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Uh, we're going to finish with um, an older hymn, but um, a prayer, I guess. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free.